personally, one of my biggest life struggles has been um, sexual temptation, mostly in the form of pornography, um, starting at a pretty young age, and um, all the kind of ripples from that, and the, the dozens, if not hundreds of times, that's caused me to be a hypocrite, or do one thing and say another, or um, have to keep stories straight, or spin lies to cover things up, the bondage of knowing that something's wrong, um, but having a certain image that you're trying to maintain, that bondage of having to keep track of what you did with so-and-so or who knows what and who doesn't know what, and um, always wondering, is this gonna come out? And if this did come out, what am I gonna say um, to cover it up or, or minimize it or diminish it, or how can I make it look like this was, you know, just one thing one time rather than some ongoing pattern, just, just all of that constant, like, image management, manipulation of people around you, people's perceptions of you, what's said about you, what's not said about you. Um, so that, and that is, is a lot of chains to carry around on a daily basis. I could be in denial to other people, but not to myself. I mean, it was never free enough for like months at a time where it's like, oh no, like I'm, I'm good. It was, it was just like a constant in my life for years. And then another way that it just keeps a hold on you is not being able to be honest with people that you actually like a part of you wants to be honest with. What really put me on a path towards freedom um, was just confessing, just literally having like two or three people in my life that I wasn't giving in to the image management side of things, having people that I was willing to just say like something really ugly, something really scary, something that I thought was maybe a little bit repulsive and just not overthinking like, but then they'll think this of me, or but then I'll look like this, or but then they won't trust me with this, or they won't ask me to help with this, just being willing to say, hey, like, uh, this, is, this is going on and it really sucks and I don't know what to do. The freedom of uh, not being in bondage, what it lets you do relationally, I think it's just like, it's just amazing. It's definitely um, the freedom in Christ that I think is the one thing we can offer the world that nothing else really can. You know, it's very seldom that we have a service that I don't think about um, freedom. And I think that's because God's given me um, the opportunity to travel to some countries um, by the grace of God just to see uh, where we have ministry partners, Morocco, other places. Uh, he's allowed me to sit with people who've talked about literally being imprisoned because of their faith, something that I can't even comprehend. And uh, so there's just something extra uh, special about today that we get to um, worship in freedom. And I pray often uh, that we just wouldn't take that for granted. We have so much freedom, and uh, it's just easy for us to just take it for granted. So I just encourage you uh, this weekend just to, to recognize that what we have is a gift, and it's a gift that's been uh, paid for by a lot of people. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're in week five of this series entitled Free. Um, as I sat in my office this week and thought about the series, thought about the fact that it is this Memorial Day weekend and, and that whole idea of freedom, I was struck by the, the fact that, that freedom is kind of a mysterious concept. A person can be physically free and still emotionally in bondage. You know that, right? 
And the opposite is true too. A person can be incarcerated. A person can be in, in physical bondage in some ways and still be emotionally free. And part of what has really uh, begun to come together, even in the last 12 to 24 hours as I've thought about this message, is that there is this freedom that goes beyond circumstances. And that's the freedom that we're teaching about. That's the freedom that you have in Christ. That's the freedom that is so thematic in this book of Galatians, right? We, we, we all have the opportunity to be free regardless of what the circumstances around us are. And one of the things I would love for us just to sort of agree to or agree upon is that we all still have some places in our lives of bondage, something in our lives that's impeding the, the absolute freedom. It could be unforgiveness or anger or addiction or just sin patterns or destructive thoughts or selfishness or greed. You know, it's a long list that we can make. And all of those just become kind of the tip of the iceberg. But there's somewhere in our lives that, that's keeping us from experiencing all of the freedom that we're learning about in Galatians. And, and if we would just accept that one fact and kind of sink into it, the Lord is going to be gracious to show us what those are and to lead us into more freedom. And that's what we want for you. That's what we want for the church is for us to walk in freedom. Galatians 5.1 says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. This has sort of been the summary verse of the entire series, the verse that I've said, hey, if you're going to commit a verse to memory out of Galatians, this is the one because of all that is embedded in there for freedom, Christ has set us free. Okay. God has come. He's come to redeem his people. He's come to set us free. This is the message of Galatians. But in fact, if you think about it, it's really the message of all of the scriptures. God came to bring about freedom, right? And in Jesus himself, he said, what did he say? He said, if the son sets you free, you're free indeed, all right? And so this freedom that we're talking about, it all starts with identity. I've said this every week, but when we did these videos, what came back over and over and over is people talking about when I finally learned who I was in Christ, then I began to experience freedom. But let me just summarize some of what we see in this amazing letter called Galatians. In Galatians 1, we see that we're rescued. In Galatians 2, we're seen, we see that we're made new. In Galatians 3, we are righteous. We are the promised blessing. We are purchased. We're free from the law. We're sons and daughters. Amen. We're clothed. We're covered in Christ. We're heirs of God. We're given the Holy Spirit. 5.1, which we just read, is we're free. And 6.15 says we are a new creation. This is who we are in Christ. And the question is, do we live that out in our day-to-day, everyday lives? Is this our actual experience? Because this is truth. The word of God is true, right? So this is true of you. When you put your faith in Christ, all of this becomes true. The journey for us is to to live into that and to realize that all of this that we have is a gift from God. It's not something that you do to earn from God. It's not a performance-based thing. So Galatians is is affirming the, the voice of Ephesians when Ephesians says, by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It's a gift of God not the results of work, not the results of your doing, so that no one can boast. And that's the phrase, so that no one can boast. No one can take credit for that long list I just put up there and say, look what I've done and look at all that God has given to me because of what I've done. It's, it, Ephesians and Galatians are saying, look, God loves you. God sent his sub for you. Even when you were an enemy of God, God loved you and he did all this for you and all of this is available to you through 
faith. For freedom Christ has set you free. Stand firm, therefore. Do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. We are free. And as I said last week, it's high time we started living like it. So grab your Bibles, turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to start reading... In verse 13, and in this particular passage, Paul, the writer of Galatians, is warning us that there is an actual inherent challenge that comes with freedom. God gives us freedom, and then there's a challenge that we need to receive right away when that freedom becomes a part of who we are. And then the second thing we're going to see in this passage that Paul, the writer, is giving us this this picture of tangible outcomes, for lack of a better word, of what it looks like to be walking with God, walking in the Spirit, and to be walking apart from the Spirit. He gives us a, a litmus test, if you, if you will, of what our lives look like with God and without God. Life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. So we're going to start reading in verse 13 of chapter 5. Paul writes these words. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only... Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Verse 16, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the thing you want to do. Verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. No, now the, the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, ad adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things won't inherit the kingdom of God, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh which, with its passions and desires. Verse 25, listen to this. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for... Galatians, thank you for the journey that you have taken us on as a church. Uh, thank you for the journey that you have taken me on as a, as a teacher as we have just sat with this incredible letter. I pray today as we unpack the, these powerful words of Paul that you would use them to bring about change in our lives. We prayed this morning as we sat in the back room that uh, a truth would land on us, that we would receive a truth, a word just from you, whether it was from Evie or from John or for somebody in the lobby speaking to us or from the, the words that I just read or the teaching that I'm about to bring, Lord, would you please just give us a word from you, and I pray that that word would just take, uh, take up residence in our soul, that it would grow, that it would bear deep roots, and that it would bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So there is this common experience 
uh, with young people, and I, I, I wrestled with whether or not to talk about this, but I will say um, that I feel okay to talk about it because it's part of my story as well. But for many uh, young people, their first taste of freedom is when they graduate from high school and they go off into whether it's college or their, their first time out of the home necessarily, right? So there's a new freedom that comes, and sometimes... Uh, in those seasons, there's also a season of making some unwise decisions, right? Okay. Sometimes, I'm trying to be careful here. I'm not trying to say everybody goes off and makes bad decisions, but I did. All right, I grew up in the church. I knew Jesus. I went to college, and I lost my mind. But anyway, <laughs> and the problem here is freedom can feel like permission, Right? If we're not careful, that's what freedom does. So I say to all of you graduating high school students, uh, heading into a new world of, of new freedom, that the words of Paul in verse 13 would be good words for you to heed. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. Now, I bring this up not to pick on young people, but to point out the fact that this is just a human tendency, that we, we all have this tendency, young and old, of, of risking or abusing the freedom that God has given us. God extends grace. God gives us freedom, and he entrusts us with this incredible thing called free will. And, and with all of this, we are called to walk with him. To walk in the spirit is what this passage is telling us in verse 25. And these are really the words that have probably captured my imagination the most throughout this entire uh, sermon that I've been trying to put together is in verse 25, it says, we're called to keep in step with him. And I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in just a second. But look at verses 13 and 14. It says, for you were called to freedom, brothers, only don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. That's what we just talked about. But through love, serve one another. For the whole law is summed up in one word, love your neighbor as yourself. The point here is that is it, 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 we have this opportunity to live for the flesh and we have this opportunity to, to live for the spirit and, and the supreme ethic here in this passage is the ethic of love. And if you stop and you begin to, to think about it, love is, is this all-encompassing peace that keeps us from sinning against one another and sinning against God. Love, that supreme ethic, is what allows us to stay in step with the spirit. So Paul addresses this same human tendency to abuse grace, to abuse our freedom in the book of Romans when he says these words. He says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue to sin that grace may abound? By no means. Because you know that God is willing to forgive you of your sins, are you supposed to go sin more knowing that it doesn't really matter? God is going to forgive me. No, because our supreme ethic, our guiding ethic, what's supposed to change how we live our lives is not the list of do's and don'ts. It is the supreme ethic of love. When you know who you are deep down, when you know how loved you are, when you know the love of God, not in your head, but in your spirit, it becomes this driving force that allows you to make better decisions. And it is the only thing that allows you to love others with the love that you've received from God. This deep knowing, it empowers us, it, it informs us. And this is the difference between identity, something we've talked about almost every week, and behavioralism. If we work out of a list of do's and don'ts, even if we take this passage of Galatians and we make it a list of do's and don'ts, don't do all those first things and do all those second things, then we miss out on what the passage is saying. The passage is saying there is this supreme ethic out there. God loves you. 
so much that he sent his son to die for you. And when you begin to internalize that and live out of that love, you will do the right things and you will avoid the wrong things, not because you're keeping a list, but because it's who you are. It's your identity. We intuitively will do the right things. The supreme ethic is love. And that supreme ethic, it, it compels us to live our lives differently. If you think about this for just a few minutes, love actually detours us. It, it keeps us from sin. You cannot lie to me and love me at the same time. You cannot, you cannot dabble in pornography and love your spouse at the same time. As a matter of fact, you can't dabble in pornography and love your neighbor as yourself because those people become objects and, and, and we sin against the very people that we are viewing when we, when we look at pornography. You can't steal, you can't cheat on your taxes and love God and love your neighbor. Abortion, injustice, racial division, gender oppression, they're all addressed by the supreme ethic of love. Right, Not as a list, but when we begin to love well, we begin to sin less. Right, When you operate out of who you are as a loved child of God, it changes everything. Now here's a, a scary and sobering verse that every time I read it, it sort of gives me chills. First John says this, he said, He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. He that loves not knows not God, for God is love. We have to know God. We have to sink into the love of God. We have to internalize the love of God in our lives if we want to live out Galatians 5, if we want to live out the fruit of the Spirit, if we want to be in step with the Spirit. The goal is not behavioral change. The goal is to change who you are on the inside, to change your understanding of your actual identity. It's to allow the Spirit of God to work in your life and reveal these truths to you. It is the Holy Spirit that helps us to know God and to know the love of God and then to reflect the love of God to other people. And so our passage in Galatians, it points out these two striking contrasts. One, one is this life of the, of the flesh, life in, in step with the Spirit, and the other one is life out of step with the Spirit. This is the battle. I wrote in my notes here, this is the battle royale. This is, this is everyone's battle. If you've said yes to Jesus, you are a person of spirit, but you will still have the ability and the tendency sometimes to quench the spirit and to operate in a life out of step with the spirit of God in your life. Life in the spirit or life in the, in the flesh, life in step with the spirit, or life out of step. And that life out of step is a, is a life of self-gratification, right? It's, it's, it's doing what you want to do. That's why early on in Galatians, we saw that Paul says these words. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith, the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. There's the identity piece at the end, but what Paul is saying is, I, all of my selfish desires, I, all of my self-protecting ways, all of my needs to control, all of my ways of, of working to get what I want, all of that, I have been crucified, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ, who loves me and gave his life for me, lives in me. And how do I do this? He says, I do it through faith in the one who gave his life for me. It's a work of the Spirit 
in our lives. So the question that we need to wrestle with is are we living in step with the Spirit? Are our lives reflecting being in step with the Spirit? Are we living lives out of step with the Spirit, the life of gratifying the flesh? So Paul lays out this battleground. Look at verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. So you see the battle there. You see these two forces at work in your life and in the, in the lives of all believers, right? There's the battle of the flesh and the battle of the spirit. And look at verse 19, because he then begins to lay out this list, if you will, not a list of do's and don'ts, but kind of a list that allows us to test ourselves or to ask ourselves, are we in the flesh or are we in the spirit? Now the works of the flesh are evident. What does he mean? He means they're not hard to see. Right, It's evident not just to you, but to everybody around you. It's in plain sight. That's what he's saying. If it's the life of the flesh, you're going to see it in your lives. And they are sexual immorality, impurity, uh, sensuality. And what I want you to hear there is make no mistake, when you turn your back on God, when you operate in the flesh, what God has given us, this beautiful thing called sex, is always going to be distorted and abused and misused. There's something that we, we twist in this beautiful thing called sex. Verse 20, it's idolatry, sorcery, uh, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions. If you were to look this up, this is all the ESV, English Standard, but if you look at it in the NIV, those last five uh, words are hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, and selfish ambition. So uh, early this week, um, I had a meltdown and I was in my driveway, and I was waiting for Meg, and my kids were over at the house getting ready to leave, and there's this common occurrence that no matter what I preach, God wants me to, to see that I still haven't figured it out myself. I think that just keeps me humble, but I'm waiting for him to do that for Meg, and then I can use her for a sermon illustration instead of me, <laughs> but the point is, I'm in my driveway, I'm having a meltdown, and in one moment, I could check off discord, fits of rage, selfish ambition, strife, division, Right? And the Lord is sort of saying, Man, you're going to go preach this this weekend, huh? <laughs> right? No doubt, in that moment, I am out of step with the Spirit of God. It's in plain sight. It's there for everybody, including me, to see. And, and, and I'm just saying this to say, look, this is our battle. This is what it means to be human. This is what we, we need to be aware of and, and sink into. Look at the list, because it continues, verse 29, or 21. Envy, drunkenness, orgies, some translations just say wild parties, and things like these. All right? So, so the flesh, it's, it's being out of step with the Spirit, and, and the opportunity is to pay attention and ask ourselves, do any of these seem evident in my life? Are there areas that these fit to, and does that tell me that in some way, in some place, I am out of step with the Holy Spirit in my life. And Paul writes this, this life in step with the Spirit is radically different than this list. Look at verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, none of which I was displaying in the driveway. Against such things there is no law. And here's what I want you to hear, church. Be careful. 
Galatians 5 can become another list. We are people who are prone to religiosity. We just want to make a list because we want to be in control. We want to say, okay, I didn't do this, and I did do that. I'm I'm all set. And that's not the point. This is just a, a litmus test, for lack of a better word. It's just a way for us to ask some questions of, of who we are. It's a way for us to pay attention, to use the way of evaluating, am I in step with the Spirit, or am I out of step with the Spirit. And you need to know this is a fluid thing. You can, you can be in step right now and walk out of this door and somebody cuts you off and you're out of step, right? That's the question. Does it look like the first list or does it look like the second list? And it's so that you can ask the question, am I paying attention to the work of God and the Holy Spirit in my life? Look at verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and the passions and its desires. If you belong to Christ, you are his possession. You are his possession. All of those things that I listed at the beginning, all the things that we see in Galatians that are part of identity, all those are true, whether you're in step or out of step. What it's saying is, is this is true of you. Now live it out. Now be who you are in Christ. Live out your true identity as a beloved son and daughter of God. Verse 25, if we live by the Spirit, then let us also keep in step with the Spirit. This is the, the verse, and I never know how this is going to work when I'm teaching through a passage, but this is the one that stuck with me all week. This phrase of keeping in step with the Spirit, it's captured my imagination. And there's so many examples as I've thought about it this week of, of keeping in step with the Spirit. I, I thought about two people dancing. I thought about how much I love to, to dance with Meg and that, that moment when we're in step with one another and you're in the rhythm of the music and how, how awesome and beautiful that is. I, I thought about a military advancement, right? And the, the necessity and the power when they are in step and lockstep with one another and, and the precision that comes with that. I thought about sports, ironically. I think about sports a lot, but I started thinking about when a team is less talented than another team, but they are more in step with one another, they tend to overcome the more talented team. I actually started thinking about the the Pistons of the early 2000s, if you remember that era, the Chauncey Billups era. They weren't the most talented team. They were just the most together team. They were the team that worked best together. They were the most in step with one another. And it was fun to watch these underdogs win big games because they were in step with one another. There's something beautiful that comes when we are in step with one another. I thought about this in my own family when Meg and I are in step with one another in the house, how much better it is. I thought about it here at the church. There's something powerful about when we are in step with one another, when we're of one accord, when we're each doing our part for the kingdom of God and for the church, it unleashes this power that we just can't even describe. But the the invitation, the greatest invitation of all time is to be in step with the Holy Spirit, to dance this intimate dance in lockstep with God. That's the invitation of Galatians, to be in step with the living God, to walk with him in step with him. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to ask you uh, to pray with me. I'm going to ask you to just close your eyes for a minute and pray, and we're going to move to communion, and we're going to use, do communion a little bit different, but I'm going to use it as a time for you to reflect. But I just want to ask you to take a risk 
and pray a prayer. So just close your eyes, and you can pray this out loud, or you can just pray it in the, the quietness of your own heart, but the prayer is, Father, would you show me any areas of my life where I am out of step with you? Pray, Father, would you give me a greater understanding of how much you love me? Pray, Father, would you give me a greater desire to walk with you? Father, would you help me to be in step with you. Paul gives us these powerful words in Galatians that serve as a, an opportunity for us to ask some good questions of our spirit. And then he tells us, hey, before you come to the communion table, a person ought to examine themselves. So we have a great opportunity this morning to examine ourselves, to just ask ourselves, how are we doing? Not as a way of producing shame, but a way of just being honest before God, right? And so I'm going to do things a little bit different. We typically pass out communion, but if you have said yes to Jesus, this is for you. It's not for uh, people who are just members of grace. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then uh, we want you to come. We want you to partake, but we're actually going to have you come forward uh, today and take it. And I would just encourage you to get the elements, the, the cracker, the juice, and find a place where you want to just stand. It could be along the side. It could be down here in front. And just spend a little time with Jesus and ask him how you're doing and allow him to bring uh, just whatever he wants to say to you. And, and as our friend Martin Austin says to us, there may be something you need to leave and there may be something that he wants you to take with him. And he's going to say to you, I love you. I died for you. And he's going to show you what he wants to show you, not to produce shame, but to produce freedom in your life. So I'm going to ask the servers to come, and we're going to have four servers right here, okay? And so all of you and these two are going to exit this way and come down in a few minutes, not yet, and you can take the elements. And if you are on one of these sides, you'll also exit this way, come down, and then go back up to your seat that way. But we'll have a server here. Makes sense. You guys will come down through the middle. Grab your elements and go back up. You can come down as a family. Uh, you can do this however you want. I'm going to pray. Evie's going to sing over us, and we're just going to take some time to ask the Lord how we're doing. So, Lord, thank you for who you are. Thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that while we were your enemies, you came and you died for us. Thank you for your body that's broken. Thank you for your blood that was shed. Lord, I pray that we would not take this for granted, that it would not just be a ritual or something we do, but that we would understand that there is a supernatural movement of your spirit in the taking of communion. Lord, help us to receive what you want us to receive. Lord, thank you that you are good. Thank you that your mercy is new every morning. Lord, help us to be in step with you and experience the beauty of what that means. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, as we sing, feel free to just stand up and come down through the middle and head back out on the sides.
if you're struggling to come forward because it's hard for you, whether you're in a wheelchair or there's some difficulty, if you would just raise your hand, we would be happy to bring the elements to you. So Matt and Loretta will just watch. If that's you and it's been hard for you to wander down, but you want to take, just wave us down and we'd be happy to come bring it to you. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up. Stand up, let's sing this together. reckless love of God, his body and his blood shed for us. Hey, we pray for you before the service starts. There was a sense that someone is struggling with some feet issues. I don't know what that means, but I'm guessing you do. And if you would like us to pray uh, for your feet, we would love to do that. There was a sense that God is calling uh, someone in this room to be fearless. And he wants you to know that he is with you and that you can go forward and uh, be fearless in Christ. Know who you are in him. Uh, If you have any physical Uh, spiritual needs that you would love us to pray for, uh, we would love to meet you down here. God bless you. Have a great long weekend.